Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Uh, breakfast in the class today is sponsored anonymously in honor of the Sarur and Chira families in celebration of the birth of baby Rini to Cookie and Richard Sarur. Uh, all of our listeners should wish and t- should bless the baby and her uh, happy parents. Uh, a lot of nachad, rov nachad gedusha for many, many years. The week of Kolbru is dedicated loving memory of Sammy Syed, the Ilyushmat Shalomon Rivka, sponsored by his son, Isaac Syed. You know, one of the funny things about the Torah is that the Torah teaches a plethora of lessons using various backdrops. And I want to illustrate what I mean by that, where the backdrop is not, I don't want to say not as important as the lesson, but oftentimes is not necessarily connected to the lesson. So let's give an example. If you remember, we talked about the laws of uh, Korbanot, the beginning of Vayikra. We spoke about a Korban of an Ani, of a poor person. And the pasuk over there says that you burn the bird and you do not take off the feathers. And why don't you take off the feathers of the bird? Because when you take the feathers off, a little tiny bird that this guy was able to afford, because he only has a dollar to bring a korban, okay, the bird looks very scrawny. So he's embarrassed that that's his korban. So therefore, when they bring the korban on the mezbeach, they say, leave the feathers. Even though the smell of burning feathers, says the Gemara, there's, the, a person can't withstand that smell. The smell is so bad. And that would fill the Beit HaMikdash, this terrible smell. Look at the God of the Jewish people. Look at how he looks at the situation. He's happy to have his house smell terrible. In order that what? In order that a poor person should not be embarrassed. So let's take a le- look at for one second. The lesson, the backdrop of the lesson is the intricate and complicated laws of bringing a sacrifice. But where does that lesson land? Does it land in the laws of korbanot, of sacrifices? No. It's teaching you a human lesson. It's teaching you the lessons of empathy, the lessons of compassion, the lessons of acceptance, the lessons of understanding that when a poor person brings a korban from his heart, that it is valuable even if it is paltry. Okay? So sometimes the Torah, when you are using the backdrop of a specific lesson, is communicating to you a lesson from another chapter uh, of the human experience. And I think oftentimes uh, a person doesn't, uh, doesn't clock, they don't recognize that uh, in the study of the, of the lessons of the Torah. And the greatest lessons can often be overlooked because someone says, oh, you know what, Rabbi, I love Bereshit, I love Shemot. I'm out for Vayikra. Give me a call back when you hit the, you know, mid-bidbar. You know, I'll be back for the parashah class. You know, this is not my, this is not my, uh, my bag, okay? So I wanted to share an example of this concept with regards to the laws, the intricate laws of tzarat. The pasuk tells us that when a person sees a nega tzarat on their arm, some element of, uh, uh, of uh, discoloration of the skin, the skin turns white, uh, there's, the pasuk gives all different re, you know, cases where the nega is on his head, on his, on his arm, on the, wall, on the walls of the house. On the, each time there's a nega tzarat, what do they do? They call the kohen and the kohen renders his decision on the nega. But what is very interesting is that you know, a lot of times we relate to this. You think about the kohen giving a psak halakha. We think it's similar to the psak halakha rendered by a rabbi. But actually, it's nothing like, they're nothing like one another. They're nothing like one another. Let me give you an example. 
Let's say I go into Burger King. I get myself a nice, delicious, non-kosher burger with a nice, delicious piece of cheese on top of it that is not only basar b'chalav, it's also chalav stam. Okay? The bread is not yashan. The ketchup is made with wine vinegar from yayin nesich. I get the most non-kosher combination I could, I could find. Okay? My friends, at the end of, uh, of that, of that uh, uh, you know, making of this beautiful piece of food, um, imagine I don't go ask a rabbi if it's kosher or not. So does that mean that the item that I ate was not non-kosher? Of course it was. Of course the item that I ate is not kosher. The asking of the rabbi just verifies the facts. But the facts are the facts with or without a rabbi. So as an example, imagine you go to a country where there's no rabbi. Still can't eat that burger, that, that the cheeseburger, right? Fascinating that with regards to the laws of sarat, it does not work that way. And let me give you an example of how this concept plays out. The pasuk says, Vira'ah kohen etanega. The kohen will see the nega, this disease, he'll see tzarat. Then the pasuk continues and says, Vira'ahu ha-kohen, and the kohen will see him, v'time oto. Es gemaran mo'et katan. Why does it say twice? The, kata, the kohen will see the nega, the, the, the blemish. And then it says, Vira'ahu ha-kohen, and the kohen will see him, v'time. Answers the gemara, bringing the brayta, u'biyom hera'ot bo, on the day that he sees, he is seen on it, on the day that the mesorah is seen, Yes, yom shetaro ebo. There's days that you look at a nega of a mitzorah. Yes, yom shiyataro ebo. And there are days that you do not look at the guy's tzarat. Mikan ameru. What do we learn from here? Chatan shenolad bonega. You have a guy about to get jawazed. Okay? His wedding is, uh, is tomorrow. All of a sudden, he sees a nega on his arm. Or the guy got married. He has sheva berachot from now until next week, uh, Friday. The guy all of a sudden wakes up the morning after the wedding, he's got a white nega on his arm, okay? The halakha is, notnim lo shiv'a yememishteh. We give him the seven days of celebration, the seven days of Sheva Berachot. Lo ulbeto l'chsuto. For him, for his home, for his clothing, we don't look at a nega on his clothes. We're ignored. We don't look at the wall of his house. The guy comes to the Kohen, he says, look, I have a nega. What does the Kohen say? Not looking. How in the world does that make any difference? If it is tzarat, it is tzarat. If it isn't tzarat, it isn't tzarat. If it is a cheeseburger, it's a cheeseburger. If it's not a cheeseburger, it's not a cheeseburger. Incorrect. Until it's declared by the Kohen, it doesn't matter that it's tzarat. Okay? So if a person sees tzarat on their arm today, in our times, he sees something, let's say he's an expert in the laws of tzarat. I don't know many people that are. But let's say a guy has eaten, no one gave him career advice. He did his semicha dayanut in the laws of Zarat. <laughs> Comes to get a job in the synagogue. What have you learned? Well, I'm an expert in baheret, in sapachat. Okay? I don't know if they're going to hire him. Maybe they'll hire him because they'd rather a rabbi who's not an expert in the laws of anything else. Okay? Fantastic. He's an expert in Zarat. What's the halacha? He sees it? Not nothing. There's no laws of Zarat today. Okay? But I want to look at this because this is so beautiful. That means that until the Kohen opens up his mouth and says something, this thing is not a thing. Not because we don't know, 
because it's not a thing. Now, our rabbis learned from here, the Meshach Chochmah explains the most incredible lesson. He says, what is the backdrop, what are we using this backdrop idea to communicate to us? I don't want to share two kind of thoughts with you that I think are very powerful with regards uh, to this concept. Vira'ah kohen, vira'ahu, and he sees him vitimeoto. Number one, the first lesson I think is that just like the person himself, when he spoke Lashonara, a guy made a mistake. What's the big deal? Made a mistake, everybody makes mistakes. The mistake becomes a problem because you spoke about it. The Lashonara has the power to be able to take a mistake that everybody makes, but give this mistake enough of an edge that it finishes the guy off. So who made the problem that he had into a problem? You did. The Torah says the same thing happens in the laws of Tzarat. And I want to share with you a very strange expression of this law. Harambam, in codifying the laws of Tzarat, he says, quoting Gemara, but he says, Posek so to speak. Harambam says, if a person uh, sees Tzarat, and there's no Kohen, and he comes and he wants to know what it is. Let's say there's only a great rabbi. The rabbi can't rule on Tzarat. Let's say there's a Kohen, doesn't know what he's talking about. He's an Amaretz. He can't rule on Tzarat if he doesn't know what he's talking about. Says Harambam, so what does he do? The Chacham looks at the Tzarat. He tells the Kohen, say Tameh. Kohen says, Tameh, Dunsky, Tzarat. What? <laughs> you don't even know what he's saying. Now, if the rabbi can't say it, why could the Kohen say it after the rabbi said it? So it's almost like these, these two conditions that need to be met, but if you somehow combine the two, good enough. Rambam continues. He says, what if there's no Kohen in town except for a mentally challenged Kohen? <laughs> Literally, read Rambam. Shoteh, katan. The Kohen, the rabbi can come to the Kohen. Shoteh, katan. The guy doesn't know how to say fire truck. But he gets him to say Tameh on the nega, Tameh. What we're looking at, Rabotai, is an exact recreation, however absurd, of the process of Lashonara. What does it take to tank someone? Some dib who doesn't know anything about anything, who heard somebody say something and repeats those words, Tameh. Beautiful. What you did, now you got it. Now power, the words of a shoteh, of a katan, a dim, doesn't know anything, he's small, he's this, he's that, and all of these, it's hearsay, heard someone else say it. Tameh. Because that's the process of Lashonara. So it manifests also in the way the Onesh plays out. And I, I learned something very deep here. You know, we always talk about the idea of midah keneged midah, measure for measure, that when a person is punished or rewarded, they're punished or rewarded in the same vein. So I always thought that that's the outcome. In other words, as an example, let's say I stole $500, right? So I'll, later, at a later point in time, I'll lose $500. Or I kicked someone in the head, you know, with a flying kick. I'll break my leg falling down the stairs, okay? Midah kinegi midah is like almost like where we apply the punishment to is the place from which, you know, but actually what we see over here is that the entire process 
gets recreated in the Midah Kenegin Midah. Even the method in which you did the Avon, never mind how you did the how much. Isn't that beautiful? You see over here, because we're even paying attention to the evolution of the process of the Avon. So that's number one I wanted to point out. Number two I want to point out is something maybe a little bit broader, a little bit wider. The Meshul Chochmah explains that when a person looks at the, uh, at the Nega, the Kohen looks at the Nega, the first thing he does is he decides, is this right or wrong? Is this, uh, uh, you know, kosher or non-kosher? Is this Tameo Tahor? But after he decides that Tameo Tahor, it doesn't say Vitime. Vira'ah ha-Kohen etanega datatat. Vira'ahu ha-Kohen vitimeoto. What we see from the Gemara is that even after I see that it's Tameh, I have to now look at this person and say, wait a second, maybe the Tzara'at is Tameh, but maybe this person in this moment in time is not supposed to be called Tameh for being Tameh. This is a mind blower from the Meshech Chochmah. The guy's a Chatan, there's something Tameh on his arm, even if it's Tameh, don't, it's not called Tameh now. Later on, when he's not a chatan, when he's not in a joyful period in his life, when he's not setting up his home, where he won't be humiliated, where we don't have to cancel all the Sheva Berachot because you said Tameh, in one week's time, we'll get him. Don't worry. He'll learn the lesson. He'll pay the price. You did the crime. Got to do the time. No problem. All those things. True. But vira'ahu ha-kohen. Before we pass judgment, we also have to see, not the nega, but we have to see the person. Where is the person? What is going on in his life in this moment? Oftentimes you find a person who's done something wrong. And you know what? It's Tameh, 100%. But where is the person in their life that that thing that he did that was Tameh should be called Tameh? You know, sometimes I talk to people and they say the guy did this, it's terrible, it was horrible. And you know what I say to them? You're right, it was horrible. But what was the scenario in which the guy did this horrible thing? The guy stole money. Okay, still stole money, granted. But why did he steal money? Because he owed money to a loan shark who told him if he didn't pay up by the first of the month, he's going to kill his children. Now is the guy, is the guy a ganav? Is, you know, you want to open up the Shulchan Aruch and ask me if it's stealing. It's stealing. But it's stealing. The guy's worried. He's flipping out. The guy's going to lose his business. You think he can think clearly? You know, and I think a lot of times, whether we have, we get the first part, even if we get the first part right, we, we were right in our earlier judgment in defining whether the nega was tameh or not. But vira'ahu ha-kohen. A lot of times we don't see the person themselves in the process of understanding. You know, um, it's very funny. I was walking past a, uh, a restaurant. It wasn't kosher. It's on Shabbat. And there was someone sitting at this non-kosher restaurant on Shabbat, you know, uh, in, in Manhattan. Of course, the first thing the person does, they see a rabbi walking down the road. <laughs> I must say, by the way, um, Corona is making a lot of people keep kosher. Since they moved outside, so now they, they, people can be seen where they're being eat, where they're eating. So people are a little bit less mustahi to eat in places that they wouldn't want to be seen eating out. But I remember on the sidewalk, some, you know, a guy was sitting there, not kosher, Shabbat, walking down the sidewalk, you know. 
This person I was walking with was like, wow, look at this guy. Eating out. Shabbat. Da 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 da. He's like trying to egg me on. You should say something, Rabbi. Should say, I say, I say, think so, yeah? He goes, he, I, he says, you should say something. You should say something. I was like, I should say something, right? I should say something. Yeah, I should say something. I go, you know what? Fine, I'm going to say something. Had that has a face on, like Xmas came early. He's so excited. The only thing he's upset about is that he can't record me shambling the guy. As I told him I'm going to say something. And we would get to the, to the table as walking up past on the, high, on the uh, sidewalk. And I said something. What did I say to him? Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. We'll see you this afternoon for the class. Guy came for the class. Now, let's just be clear for one second. There's different ways of dealing with different people in different times. A guy's going through something very difficult. He's not going to respond. Right? A guy's in a situation where he's very stressed, you know, anxious, worried, embarrassed. He's willing to do things that ordinarily he would never do. So what's the response in that moment to that person? You have to think what's going to work. There's no point in tochacha that actually the person's not going to listen to. In fact, our rabbis tell us, kishem, just like there's a mitzvah to give tochacha to someone who's going to listen, so too there's a mitzvah not to give tochacha to a person that won't. Al tochach letz pen yisnaeka. Don't give tochacha to a, 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 a scoffer because he's going to hate you. But the halacha is you have to give tochacha. And there is a tochacha that you could give. It's two words. Shabbat shalom. Good morning. Good afternoon. Shambling the guy in public on the sidewalk, is that going to make him eat non-kosher longer? Go more times out on Shabbat? Or less? What do you think? More. Much more. Oh, the rabbi shambled me in front of everybody. If this is Judaism, I want no part. See the person. Then, when the time's right, the guy's now in shul. Now he's already kind of feeling good. He's in zone. He's praying. He's more... Now you could say to him, you know, you want to go to a restaurant on Shabbat? Maybe you could make arrangements with Talia's Steakhouse. <laughs> it's kosher. That you could pay before the place is open. Nobody, they, they have the reservation. Everything is cooked. It's, uh, you know, everything. You feel like you need to go. There are places. <laughs> My friends, what a, what a powerful understanding of... Uh, of this pasuk. Now I want to end with one last idea, if that's okay. One last concept. And it's such a beautiful idea. We, we, heard, we heard some beautiful words from this same Talmid Chacham last week when we were studying in the Shabbat afternoon class. His name uh, was Rabbi David uh, Tebeli. And he says in his Sefer Nefesh David, he brings a beautiful question. We know that what is the, the tzarat that we see on a guy's arm right, can be adamdam, it can be yirakrak, right, it can also be 
Baharit Levana, white. And the question is, that's a strange thing. Because in the Torah, white is associated with what? With purity. So the Kohanim, the Begadim, the Beged of the Kohen, of the, is white, Begde Lavan. On Yom HaKippurim, the Kohen Gadol switches from his regular clothes into white clothes. The string in the Beit HaMikdash that would illustrate that the Korbanot was accepted turned from red to white. White always symbolizes purity. Why would the color of Tzarat encompass also the color white? Powerful, right? Good question. <laughs> I'm going to leave his answer. But my friends, I think sometimes the biggest nega in the world, the biggest problem in the world, is a person feeling they're pure. Rabbi, tell him something. Nail him, kill him, destroy him, stab him in the face repeatedly on the sidewalk, eating non-kosher. Yeah. Because I'm so pure. Because I'm so holy. When a person speaks Lashon Ara, they speak Lashon Ara oftentimes from a feeling of supremacy. I would never do that. I would never say that. I would never go there. I would never eat that. I would never marry that person. Right? I'm so holy. Sometimes the nega that a person has could come from another color, from some other reasoning, from some other feeling, from some other place. But a lot of times the negaim that people have comes from a feeling of supremacy. And I, I was going to title the name of the shiur, but decided against it. I was going to call it white supremacy. <laughs> like they say, J for J, just for jokes. <laughs> but I don't know. I think if I title that, I put that online, I'll get all the wrong people listening to the shiur. May Hashem bless us always to see other people, not just to see their nigaim, but to see them as well to see what day of the year are they in. What is going on in their life right now and to understand their nega in the context of where they're going, of what they're going through. And then to decide how we would like to pass judgment upon them. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.